hey, hey, and welcome to Insurance Town. I'm the mayor, Heath Sheeran, and host of this podcast. I've said it last couple of weeks. I'll say it the next couple of weeks. I love the insurance industry. I mean that. And I truly love the people that I've met in this industry. People that are my friends. People that have challenged me, influenced me. People that mean so much to me. And I'm going to sit down each and every week and introduce those people to you. And it's my hopes that our conversations and our content that we put out will make you a better insurance professional. And I mean that. And right now, before I even get started, and before we have this incredible conversation with my guest today, I want to say thank you. I'm humbled and I'm honored that those of you who have already reached out to me, who have already texted me, reached out to me on social, emailed me, and told me positive feedback, who've given me ideas for, for shows, for guests, it means the world to me, and I can't I can't thank you enough. My email address is heath at insurancetownpodcast.com. If you haven't reached out to me and you want to, feel free to. Let me know what you think. I'll take the good, the bad, and the ugly. I really will. Uh, right now, I can't wait to introduce my podcast guest for today. He is the president of James Green Associates, an agency that spans seven states that is a commercial agency, and, and they've focus on one thing and they do it so well and that's church and nonprofit business. They have a slogan within their agency, serving those that serve others. And that completely embodies my guest today. And I can't wait for you to hear our conversation. You're truly going to love it. My guest, my friend, someone who's inspired me and someone who has also challenged me. And I think you're going to get a lot out of it. Kurt Hetherington, ladies and gentlemen. Kurt Hetherington, my main man, how are you? Heath, I'm doing fantastic. Man, I was thinking about you the other day as, uh, you know, here we are. We just ended up March, we're into April. How do you think uh, Michigan State would have done this year in the tournament? Oh, I've they already won my bracket, so they're, <laughs> they're national champions in my mind, no question about it. Uh, I know they were second in the Big Ten, so I didn't know how you thought they would fare in the Big Tournament if it would have happened. Uh, had had a great start, uh, a little trouble in the in the middle, finished strong. They actually shared uh, the the Big Ten title this year, so I was excited about that, and I was really <laughs> looking forward to the tournament. But uh, they're number one in my mind. There you go, always. So. Um, you know, for those that don't know, my man Kurt here, he's not only a, a passionate insurance guy, he's also a passionate basketball and just sports fan in general. You got to see him with a basketball in his hand. He's a genius. <laughs> um, so, Kurt, uh, let's let's talk to my my audience here and let's let's go down memory lane. Yeah, great. Well, thanks, Heath, and I really appreciate you uh, allowing me to be a part of this to to talk about an industry that I'm passionate about, a job that I'm passionate about, and passionate about the uh, the, the people that uh, we, you know this, uh, the opportunity we have to to uh, relate to and, and see and know and uh, impact. So it's uh, really exciting for me. So the backstory, as you, you alluded to, uh, my my fandom for the Michigan State Spartans, uh, but that, uh, that was uh, born into me pretty quickly. Uh, as I was, uh, I'm born and raised in the great state of Michigan. And if you go up I-75, about an hour from my house, you'll see a sign in the middle of the road that says you are now halfway between the equator and the North Pole. So I know what some snow is about, brother. It, uh, the, uh, But love those times, love the memories. Uh, grew up uh, kind of in my you know, family. I'm the youngest of four. And my mom and dad, uh, Lit, still live in the same place where I grew up. So childhood memories, 
are just rich and just had a great time uh, growing up in a rural setting. Uh, my dad, his hobby was farming, if you can imagine that. I always, uh, as a kid, I thought, Dad, why don't you man, take up golf or something. There's got to be something easier than this. Uh, but, uh, you know, hey, this, this son, this is in my blood. And this is what I love to do. So we raise cattle and crops. And, uh, you know, I reflect back on it, Heath, and, and it was just really a, an idyllic uh, uh, childhood. We, we grew up in an area that uh, a lot of folks from the city that w- would come up on the weekends, come around the lakes and cottages. You know, we lived there year round, uh, but a lot of friendships that developed from that, but everybody would call it coming to the farm. And uh, boy, hay forts and baling hay and, you know, uh, uh, picking corn in the fall, taking care of cattle. I reflect back on it now with such uh, just a deep, deep thankfulness uh, for you know, what the Lord had provided to me. But again, growing up into it, I thought, boy, there's got to be something different. So I was 16 years old. And uh, at that time, I mean, the Lord changed my trajectory. He changed my life. So at the age of 16 in 1984 in Clark Summit, Pennsylvania, my trajectory was changed dramatically. I've never been the same since. Uh, I really started to gain a passion for learning, which unfortunately is a little bit behind because I wouldn't apply myself. Uh, But when I did graduate, I ended up going to college. I graduated from Liberty University and uh, I was so uh, just enthused about learning and, and knowing more and, and gaining that knowledge, I turned back around and went home and did my MBA work at Western Michigan University. So I was, I, and we'll talk, maybe have an opportunity to talk about it a little bit later, but I love getting in front of the classroom. Probably if, if, you know, if I wasn't in this industry, I'd be in teaching. I love to teach. I love history. Um, but a lot of times I'll get into classrooms when I talk to kids today about the industry. You know, hey, what do you want to do? What do you, where do you want to go? What, you know, what do you want to be in 10 years? And you'll hear, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know which direction. I knew this much. I just needed a job. I wanted to get a degree and get a job. I, I didn't have a foot. I, I, I had to get out of there as soon as I could with a degree. So I figured, okay, money, finance. So I got a finance degree, uh, but never expecting whatsoever to be in the insurance world uh, for sure. And uh, again, through some uh, connections and conversations, ended up in my first position as an agent with James Green and Associates in Memphis, Tennessee, in the West Tennessee Territory, as we had it at that time. And I knew nothing, nothing about it. And I think back and think of all the mistakes that I made, all the blunders that I made, and the Lord's kindness and provision. He saw me through a lot of that. And I I look back on it with a lot of fondness. Uh, But it has been a great, great uh, road. 26 years later, and you know, we were talking about a little bit earlier, I'm more passionate about what I do and those I have the opportunity to serve today than it was 10 years ago. I, I truly believe that I have the greatest job in the world. And I share that with, uh, you know, young people and I have the opportunity to speak at uh, uh, various high schools and uh, colleges. So there's some things that I wanted to follow up on as you were discussing your history and your past. And one of those things was you had said that you'd enjoyed being in front of a classroom, you loved history, and you loved young people. Talk to me about what you are doing at uh, local high schools and spreading the love of our industry. Can you dive into that a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Heath had, and had the opportunity to, to serve on the board of the PIA of Arkansas, and uh, when I took over as president, 
uh, one of the initiatives that we uh, developed was called Ensuring the Future. Nice title, right? Ensuring the Future. And basically what it was is a PowerPoint presentation that we wanted to then share with the various classes in the state of Arkansas. In Arkansas, we have a couple dozen, almost uh, 30 schools in the state that actually teach an insurance and risk management program. So what a great conduit to then get insurance professionals, insurance leaders out there to tell the story, to share uh, with these young students what the industry offers. And I think for most of us, we, we think uh, if, you, if you interviewed somebody, what, what, what is the insurance business? Well, it's the local agent on the corner. And that, true, that's a part of it. But there are so many various areas that you can be a part of this industry from actuary to marketing rep, to underwriter, to claims adjuster, all of these various areas uh, and, and just getting started. So this program was designed to really engage kids in a bigger understanding of what, what the uh, industry offered. I, I truly believe that our industry has a story to tell. I'm, and I'm, I'm passionate about that. We are a, we in the insurance world are the, the grease in the, in the wheel. And we keep the we keep the cogs turning of industry and commerce. And there is a story to tell. A lot of times it's behind the scene. It's not the it's not the product that gets put in your hand. And you know the new jacket, the pair of shoes, the new device that you get. But we in the industry are the ones behind that, protecting that, making sure that that product gets to the the customer. And and so the ensuring the future aspect is really just an initiative and we continue to do that continue to meet in schools to just expose these young people to all the various areas all the opportunities that the insurance industry offers yeah you know, unfortunately we get kind of a bad rap of you know just being stale that it's not that there's nothing exciting about that and you and i both know heath that is so far from the truth we need to be very proud of the industry and we need to be advocates for it on a consistent on a continual basis i'm all about competition too and there's a competition for talent out there well i think and i think you'd agree with me we have a story to tell in this industry we have a story to share with young people you want to make a difference you want to make an impact in your world and your community come join us be a part of what's going on in the insurance industry. And I think that is a uh, something that we continue to build, continue to grow. And I, I want to get more of our industry leaders involved in that. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Being a second generation insurance professional, it's something that my dad instilled in me at an early, early age. And something that as I was going through and tried to not even get into the business, dad just kept ringing in my head of saying, you know, you sell a car, you sell a mattress, you sell any other product, you get paid once, you don't see that customer for years maybe. You sell an insurance product, you're getting paid every year on that. You get to service them every month, every year. They're going to come to you in a time of need. They're going to come to you for advice. You're helping them open their businesses. You're helping them to just thrive every day in our business, in our world. And that was incredibly important to me. And that was something that just got me pumped up. And I couldn't wait to get in the business. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting you mentioned the relationship part of it. We just uh, hired uh, a new territory manager, new agent for our West Tennessee area. And as I was introducing myself and typing up an email to him, part of that, I said to him, Randy, I said, one of the things that I uh, love about this industry to this day, 26 years later, I can still name 
various friends and contacts and people that I know to this day that I've had that relationship with for more than 26 years. And so I'm asking him to take care of my friends in that area. And I don't know of too many industries that offer that kind of relationship long-term. So I love what you said about there, there are, there's transactional business and it's great and it's needed, but that relationship long-term uh, with clients you can serve and care about uh, is, is unique. You're exactly right. And that's something that I will always stand on that soapbox in my world and whether it's podcasts or calling on agents or talking to young people, relationships with this business is all about the people and as you know, the reason I started this podcast is I love people and I want to continue to love on people through this podcast. And, you know, that's something that uh, I know that you're passionate about. I know that you love people and that you love working with people. And there's a certain type of people, there's a certain industry that James Green and Associates works with. And I wanted you to kind of unpack that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And, and boy, talk about a, a story for me. I, I, in our agency, I talk about three things with, with our folks that we've had for, for decades and those that are new coming on is legacy, brand, and product. Hone in on those areas, legacy, brand, and product. And I unpack that of those in different times or different applications. But you bring up a great point with regard to our agency. I believe every agency, I believe every agent has a legacy. We can say, I'm 25 years old. I'm just getting started. You have a legacy. You have a story to tell. You have something you can stand on. Well, it's not that exciting. Well, you're going to continue to build on that legacy. Have a story to tell. The James Green Associates story is one of those that I think is a fantastic story. Our agency was started, matter of fact, this year is our 60th year in business. In 1960... Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. And it's, it's one of those that uh, it continues to build and grow. Jim Green, the owner and founder of the agency, actually at the time uh, was doing multiple things. He was in the the National Guard. Uh, He was in the furniture business and the retail in the uh, real estate business. And then he started in on the insurance business. Jim uh, started the agency in a, in a bedroom of a home. Think about it. Wasn't, it wasn't because he was quarantined. It was because that's all he could afford. But he started out in the, in the bedroom of the house and grew the agency. And uh, through that time, at, you know, winning award after an award after an uh, award. And in the mid-80s, a very, very successful, mainly personal lines agency. Well, Jim had always had a passion. He was very active in the Gideons and connected with an individual that uh, had a connection with uh, church insurance and selling church insurance. And Jim thought, you know what? I, I think that's an area I'd really like to look at. Well, Jim, as is, if, if you ever went into his office, he'd have the three ring binders about three inches thick and it would be a plan, step by step by step. Well, Jim developed a plan to then uh, focus on this niche. And in the early to mid 80s, that started that transition. But think about this, he think about that. This is one of the things that I think your listeners out there need to know. Be bold, be visionary, don't be afraid of risk. So here, Jim is established, he's doing well, he's got an agency going, and he goes, Okay, no, 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 folks, burn the boats. We're going this direction. I believe in this. I believe in this niche. I believe we can serve this area. I believe we can be the best in this area. But burn so, the boats. Wait, wait, wait. Burn, burn the, the boats. boats. Get rid of all the personal lines. We're, we're, we're pivoting now. We're yes. moving in a different direction. We've never done it before, but we're going we're gonna to try this now because I believe in this. Yes. And 
through those years, uh, you know, now today in the year 2020, we are in seven, eight, we are in seven states and continue to grow. Uh, we're probably one of the nation's largest independent agencies uh, that uh, write in these niche areas. And that's really kind of church, what we would call church-related ministries, nonprofit areas, serving those that serve others. That's really our, our focus and our, our piece is serving those that serve others. And I think that's another thing that listeners need to absolutely write that vision, write that master plan, and stick to it stick to it. You know, they talk about, hey, a, a good plan implemented now is better than a great plan implemented later. Get them together, get together, and, and move forward in that decision. And he did, and we're, we're certainly better for that uh, because the complexity of risks out there continue to grow year after year after year. And so the ability to really uh, leverage your knowledge base in those areas is a real service to your clients. Uh, as well, so we've we've really found that that niche, those areas, uh, to, to be our bread and butter, and areas that we love to serve in. Uh, you know, no, you know, Gospel of Mark, chapter nine, thirty-five. Hey, he who you know serves others is going to be first. You know, the the least among you. And I heard a another good uh, point that says, hey, if serving others is beneath you, then leading others is beyond you. And I think that piece is so critical. And that's what we want to infuse in our DNA here. If you're not in the service business, you're in the wrong, you're in the wrong area with us. Hey, you gotta you gotta repeat that again. That was really good. Say that again. If if serving others is beneath you, then leading others is beyond you. I, I love that. Uh, you know, neighbors out there listening, write that down. You know, whatever you got to do, get that in your brain. That is a wonderful statement. I appreciate that. Now, as you're, you know, unpacking this a little bit with this niche, was there uh, a certain way about doing this? Did you? Back at that time, Jim was not afraid to invest capital. So one of the big things that he he had his own programmer at that time that program developed a a, a, a database system that we could utilize, and then Jim spent money to then infuse in that data. You know, church church list, uh, nonprofit list. So probably one of our larger competitive advantages, and Jim was the inst, uh, instigator of that, is having data early on and be able to mass communicate, to do mass mailings, to, you know, connect with people, to let them know your story, who you are, that you're a specialist in this case in the church market. And it just took off from there. So that was really a great pivot point uh, for him. And then obviously, you know, good companies, companies that are dedicated to it, companies that are focused specifically in, in the church and related market. You, you, you have to find them uh, in order to have that partnership, because it's it's not for the faint of heart, as I've heard one CEO say. In this in this business, it's got grocery store margins, uh, so you you've got to be very very careful. You can get sideways in a bad loss ratio in no time at all. Yeah, I, I can imagine. And you know, in that serving those that serve others, there has got to be a, a service right now with those churches that the doors are closed. Right, there's nobody able to come in the doors to pay their tithe you know, to serve others, to get in front of those people in hospitals or that need prayer or that need ministry of some sort. How are you guys serving them in that time right now? Is there anything you guys can do for them right now? Uh, yeah, several things. And you bring up a, a, a great 
point. And, you know, Heath, one of the things I, I believe in this time is don't waste a crisis. I don't care where it is. Don't waste a crisis. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to perch on one particular story, then I'm going to pivot over to your question. But don't waste a crisis. What it reminded me, and I shared with our team in an email not too long ago uh, about Enterprise Alabama. I've never been there, but I've always it came up in my history books. I remember it as a young kid. And growing up in Michigan, I'm thinking, you know, Enterprise Alabama, cotton, you know, cotton is king. Well, the cotton crop was, was struggling because of an insect, a boll weevil. Boll weevils were destroying the crops. And you want to talk about a crisis. We don't appreciate that now. I can appreciate a little bit as being an old farm boy, but we don't appreciate what it was to not bring in the crop. If, if the crop was destroyed, hail, it was crisis mode. There weren't the safety nets. There weren't the, uh, oh, well, better luck next time. No, it, it was true a true crisis. Well, in the Enterprise Alabama area, you know, cotton was king but the crop was being destroyed by the boll weevil. Well, what did this crisis then develop? Peanut and peanut farming. Peanuts and peanut farming. They pivoted around, they introduced peanut farming, and you think of all the applications that are out there with respect to peanut and the and what how we utilize the peanut. They actually today, if you go to Enterprise Alabama, there is a monument in the town square to the boll weevil. So, don't waste a crisis. In <laughs> those good. bad times, good things can happen. For us, and you're right, many times, you know, churches, and I hear some uh, some of my colleagues will say, oh, you work in the church market? Oh, my goodness, the committees and the delay and trying to get things done. It can have that feel. Sometimes the... Uh, it, the, the pace is pretty slow. In integrating uh, technology and in, in integrating in, uh, to new things in this time is tough, but this crisis has really forced many churches to get creative. How are we going to connect with our? I've seen so many great Facebook Live uh, uh, church services. I've seen creative ways of ministry, so we're, uh, we're giving them videos and helps of how to set that up, but most folks now are, that are younger uh, you know, are not afraid to give online. Are some of our older folks now? This crisis has kind of moved them over to those platforms. So yes, is it tough? Without a doubt. But our churches, ministries, finding new and creative ways to hold services, to reach people, and again, to continue to have that income. But I am concerned. For example, we insure a lot of camps and work with camps, and it's going to be. Uh, tough this summer and to, to walk, walk them through and hopefully get around, get out on the other end in one piece. Yeah, I, I can only imagine uh, what that's what they're going through, especially right now. And maybe you can speak to this, maybe not. Uh, with so many talks right now about business income uh, and business interruption and all that kind of thing, what's the church's you know look on that? How does that affect a church insurance policy? How does that work? Does that come yeah. into play? Well, you know, if you read the ISO forms, you look at, and this is one of the the questions that we get a lot, and the and and we have to you know, discuss this with our clients. But the church is not a business. The church doesn't have cost of goods sold. The church the church doesn't rely on making widgets. You rely specifically on tithes, offerings, and donations. So this this Heath goes back to our point of this is a profession where you need to be a constant learner. So my position would be a business income form is not applicable to 
a church ministry. Uh, that's where you need specialists. You need special forms. You need understanding of what you actually have. Loss of donations would be more appropriate uh, in that case. And there are those coverage forms that are out there. You know, every uh, situation is unique and specific. But yes, I'm hearing a, a lot of that of, oh, well, business income, business income. No, you don't have net income at a church. You're not looking to make a profit and you're not selling widgets. Yes. Uh, it, it, that makes complete sense. I just, you know, for my listeners out there that that may have a couple of church policies on the books and may not understand that. Yeah. It's something that I've heard brought up, mm-hmm. especially in, uh, you know, it's got to get a little tricky sometimes as well in nonprofits, uh, especially when you're dealing with 501c3 versus 501c6 and, you know, different, you know, nonprofits. Is that something that you're having to continually advise people on and, you know, growing that is the same situation as the church. I believe that there will be people now at home that will not go back to a traditional work environment. And there may be people in other industries that will not go back to a traditional work environment. And right now we're having to learn how to get creative and to communicate better with not only our clients, but with our employees, with our, our bosses. And, you know, as we're going through that, what is your, what are your thoughts? What are some of your ideas? If you could give some advice to agencies out there on, communicating more effectively to whether to their staff or to their clients, what would that be? Well, that's a great question. I I heard something not too long ago. Boy, this is one of these areas that I know I can do a better job at. But the, but the phrase was you cannot over communicate. You can't over communicate. Now, a lot of times in my position, I think, Oh boy, do they really want to hear that again? I've just sent that out. I've just talked about that. Uh, Do they want to hear it again? Well, I, you know, I go back to uh, the, you know, John Wooden, the uh, legendary Hall of Fame basketball coach at UCLA. You know, it's been said that every practice at the start of the season, they would go through the basics, uh, how to tie your shoes, how to, how to put your socks on, how to properly put your uniform on. Now, do you think Bill Walton by his senior year was going, come on, coach, I know this stuff, but you cannot over-communicate. So I think that's number one is sometimes, there, I think especially now we can think, oh, I, I don't want to inundate people. I don't want to inundate my team with information. It's all information overload or my clients. I, I, to me, I, I would think that, uh, the first piece of counsel is you can't over communicate. If somebody's got, Hey, I got it. I got, okay. Toss it. And they, you know, they can delete that email, but please uh, refrain from the thought of I- I'm, I'm giving them too much. Uh, you can't over communicate. Uh, the other aspect of it. And I think this is very important, especially with the millennial age. Uh, we're hearing more and more of this. It's not task. It's not task oriented. I need to do this, 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 and this. But you need to communicate vision. You need to communicate vision. You, wh- what is your why? What, why are you doing what you're doing? What, what, how are you serving? How, how are you meeting the needs of your clients and customers. And for us, that that's a story that we can really sink our teeth into. And that's something that I want to be able to, you know, in, uh, inject that in all of our team members of saying, know your why. I'm going to tell you, the reason you're here is important. You are not just moving paper and entering data. You are serving the needs and if we don't do it correctly, there can be some real serious disastrous results. So can't over communicate, communicate vision consistently, 
then on the client side, you know, I think your website and having content there and directing folks to your website is important. That's basic. That's fundamental. But I think we've uh, we've kind of moved away a little bit of having that as an information source, kind of that guidebook you can pull off the shelf, and it's got current and updated information. So we're utilizing that more. And then our social media platforms, whether it's you know Facebook, uh, from a LinkedIn standpoint, we're connecting with good content and material and making sure that our, uh, our clients are seeing more and more of that, communicating uh, many times on f- frequently asked questions, kind of a tablet list of things to consider and look at uh, during this time of crisis. And we're dispensing a lot of that to whether they're denominational leaders or associational leaders, because here's the thing too, and this is in any industry, whether you know some association or affiliation, uh, you know, churches, ministries are are facing the same same thing. How do we bring value to those that we're serving? Well, we can help facilitate that by giving that that information, that content to a denominational leader that can then dispense it to their uh, their folks. So you're speaking with one voice. You're getting consistent message. You're getting value uh, to those that uh, you, you serve. So those are some of the the key areas that I think are important during this time. I I really appreciate you. I've always looked to you to be you know kind of a leader in that role of a great communicator as well as a, a leader behind the scenes as well. And I, I really one of the reasons why I created this podcast was to introduce other people to my friends in this business, if there's anybody out there that wants to follow up with you or wants to ask you questions, or there's young people that want to, you know, reach out to you or any, any interest in visiting and following up with you. Uh, yes. Uh, a couple ways. Uh, an email address would be kheatherington at jamesgreenins.com. And a phone number is 800-422-3384. And my extension is 142. But he, you know, the easiest part of it with a long name like Hetherington, and you know, I got writer's cramp as a as a kindergartner trying to spell my name. Uh, I just, if you Google James Green with an E and Associates, you'll find our website with all the contact information there. If you've got an opportunity to that is out there for uh, myself to speak in front of a group, a group of kids about this industry, about what we're doing. Uh, in the industry, would love to have that opportunity. And, you know, being associated and affiliated with the Arkansas Insurance Hall of Fame has been a great conduit to to reach those young people coming up to introduce them to our uh, industry with UCA's program, which is a risk management and insurance uh, degreed program. The only one in the state has been a real honor and, and a lot of fun. And you're seeing scholarships uh, given to these young people. So, hey, uh, high schoolers out there that are looking for a, a good way to unload the college debt, you can look to the this degree program. There are some great scholarship opportunities out there. And the other part of that is honoring those that have made an impact in this industry and in this state. And Heath, there are some real legends of legacy on the Hall of Fame wall at the UCA School of Business. So, you know, if your listeners have an opportunity to get down there and see that, uh, it's a great read and it will it will energize you about this industry. And I will say this, Arkansas is leading the way in this regard. I, I couldn't agree more. I've been to, I think every year that they've had the Hall of Fame banquet, I've been there. My wife and I have truly enjoyed it. And, you know, from 
serving those that serve others, don't waste a crisis. Man, you have taught us so much in this past hour or however long we've spoke, and I really appreciate your time, and I hope you have a great rest of your day, and uh, tell the family hi for me. Hey, I'll do it, Heath, and all the best, and thank you for not wasting a crisis in developing this podcast. Let's keep uh, the passion for the industry out there. Insurance Town is going to be a good vehicle for it, brother. Keep all the good work. I really appreciate that. Have a good day, my man. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for hanging out with me and Kurt Hetherington today in Insurance Town. I hope you got as much out of that conversation as I did. And I really hope that we added value to your day today. Just like I want to add value on every single one of these podcasts. And really, the only way I could do that is with your help. Come on, neighbors. Send me an email, heath at insurancetownpodcast.com. Let me know what you think. You know, let me know if you have any ideas. And if you really, truly want to help me out, go to wherever you listen to this, subscribe to this podcast, leave me a review, and uh, let's keep this thing rolling. I I really, really want to uh, continue to have fun doing this, introducing you to my friends. It's been a ball for me, and I want to keep that going. Also, I got to let you know before I head out, Insurance Town Podcast is produced by Ready, Set Podcast. And my goodness, they make this so easy. And... They take care of all the recording and they take care of the editing and the publishing. They can record on location or if you're quarantined at home for some reason, they can easily do it remotely over the internet. So if you've got a great idea for a podcast, look them up, readysetpodcast.xyz, or you can find them on Facebook or Instagram, Ready Set Podcast, turning your brilliant idea into a reality. Thanks again, guys, for hanging out with us. Hope I see you again next time. <laughs>